And as I finish this series on prayer, I want to talk with you about the fact that I want you to do that because prayer will change your life. It'll absolutely change your life. As we've talked about, prayer is the conversation that brings solutions. Because prayer is a conversation with God. Amen? It's a conversation with God who can bring those solutions and meet those needs you have in your life. Now, if I told you that you could talk with Jesus for 15 minutes right after this service, and if I told you you could ask Jesus, you could walk right up to him, shake his hand, get a hug from Jesus, and you could ask him for anything that you want, what would you ask? What would that be? If you could ask Jesus for anything, what would you ask him for today? Would it be protection? Would it be for a new job? Would it be for more income? Would it be for the healing of someone in your family? What would you ask him for? You see, one day the disciples of Jesus got that opportunity. They could ask Jesus for anything. But you know what they asked him for? They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And I look at that in Scripture. They could have asked him for anything. They said, God, teach us to pray. And I think they asked him for that because they had seen with their own eyes, the results of his prayer life. They had watched Jesus go off and spend quiet time with the Father. They had watched Jesus go off again and again and again and pray, and then they saw what happened in his life. They saw what he could do after he prayed. Now, the disciples watched Jesus preach. They watched him perform all kinds of miracles. They watched him heal the sick and raise the dead and do all kinds of things. But not once did they say, just to preach. They never said, Jesus, teach us to do those miracles the way you do those miracles. Not one of them said, Lord, teach us how to raise people from the dead. No, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they saw that prayer was that vertical support system. Between the Father and the Son. They saw that it was a support system that empowered Jesus to do everything that he was able to do. Folks, this morning I want to say to you, there is nothing that can change your life like prayer. We try to do all kinds of other things to change our life. But it's prayer that will change your life. But listen, not if you use it in the wrong way. We got a lot of misconceptions about prayer. Write this down. Prayer will not change your life when you use it like a magic wand. <laughs> when we just kind of say, God, bless so-and-so. God, touch so-and-so. And we just kind of wave this magic wand in the direction of God. God, we love you. We trust you. We, we pray that you just touch these people. And then we're off and running. Doesn't work. Prayer will not change your life when you use it like a first aid kit. When your life really falls apart, then you pray. When there's a real emergency, then you pray. When you use it like a, a last resort, God, I'm, a, I'm a hurting, I, I need a band-aid on my life. It doesn't work. Prayer will not change your life when you use it like a tug of war. Some people think of prayer like it's, like it's a game. Between them and God. 
And, and if they pull on God's rope hard enough and long enough, they'll convince God to do something in their life. It's kind of like we're just playing tug of war with God. Come on, God. Anybody ever done that? I have. <laughs> when you've been praying and praying and, and you don't see a change, come on, God. And we just try to tough on God to get him to act. doesn't work. Prayer will not change your life when you use it like some religious duty. When you, when you do show up to pray, because you know it is the right thing to do, but as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's heartless. It's a meaningless repetition. It's just a religious ritual to you. When you just say the same things over and over, but there, there is no passion. There's no precise requests. There's no praise given. There's no positive faith. If prayer is just a religious duty for you, you've missed the point of prayer. You really don't understand prayer. But listen, here is how you can pray so that your life will be changed. Write this down. Prayer will change your life when it's an act of submission. When it's an act of submission. When you go to God and you kneel before God, you bow before God, and you start a conversation with God through prayer, and you submit to Him, you surrender your all to His authority as your God. And you say to Him something like this, You are God and I am not. You are all powerful and I am not. You are adequate for all situations in my life. But I'm not. God, I am helpless. I can't solve the situation. But you are not helpless. And you can solve it. I need the help of you, my God. That's kind of a, a prayer of submission. You're admitting your need. You're looking to God alone to meet your need. When we pray and we submit to our God God's ears perk up amen he looks and he sees we're healing and we're putting faith and trust into him that prayer of submission causes God to hear the prayers offered in this place or your place wherever you're in prayer Jesus says this John chapter 15 verse 5 in your Bible or on the screen he says I am the vine you are the branches if a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, and look at this, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be given to you. Right here, Jesus, you stay in a right relationship with me, if you stay submitted to me as your Lord and Savior, you can ask whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. So what this is saying, if you, the branch, that's you and me, the branch, if the branch stays connected to the vine, that's Jesus. If you stay connected to him through prayer, if you stay in his word, inside the boundaries of his word, 
and you're living rightly, you're living in, in righteous ways, then he says, I will give you whatever you have asked for. Unless you're asking for something that's sinful, outside God's boundaries, something that, that is evil, he won't answer that. And so if the branch stays connected to the vine, you are then connected to that vertical support system of God. And from the vine, Jesus flows everything, the Bible says, that you and I need for life on this planet and to live life in a godly way in this world. Everything flows from Jesus if we will just trust him. There was a TV show on about deep sea divers. show, they talked about how they recovered some gold from a sunken ship in the Atlantic. And they talked about how they sent this diving bell down to the floor of the Atlantic Ocean. 800 feet below the water surface. And they talked about how the only link between above and the people below was this water, or was this air hose. This air hose. This hose was the lifeline, the support system. The only connection between those above and those When you prayerfully submit to God, folks, the thing that you are doing is you are connecting to that support, that support system, that, that link, that lifeline, that thing that keeps you operating in life, that air hose between you and God. It connects you to God above, and God connects to you who live here below. And all of God's people said, amen. Folks, that is what prayer does for you. It is your support system when you submit to God. Secondly, your life will change when your prayer is an act of communication. Not just submission, but communication. Now, just like your spouse wants to have a real conversation with you, your kids want to have a real conversation with you, your best friends want to have a real conversation with you, God is interested in real conversation with you. He wants you to come to him and honestly and precisely and consistently and even passionately talk with him. To share with him your needs and your, your desires. He wants for there to always be this, this open line of communication between you and him. You know, years ago, there was a standoff between the United States and Russia, over Russia putting missiles in Cuba, missiles that could have easily reached the United States. We, we know that is called in history the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we nearly went to war over that. But we didn't because we had a good line of communication. You see, they put a red phone on the desk of President Kennedy. And they put a red phone on the desk of Khrushchev in Soviet Russia. And if any time one of those guys thought the other person was doing something wrong that might lead to war, any one of them could pick up that red phone and there was instant communication with one another. Folks, good communication solves most every problem. Whether it has to do with an international problem, a marriage problem, a parent problem, or even a spiritual problem, good communication solves most every problem. And yet, good communication happens best when you've got a good relationship with those that you're talking with. 
And it goes the same way with God. So my question to you this morning is this. What is your relationship like with God this morning? Can you say it's a good, open, honest, clear, consistent, daily, moment-by-moment relationship? Or is it kind of a Sunday thing? Or a prayer vigil thing? What's your relationship with God really like? You see, good communication happens best when you have a good relationship. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. And you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Jesus is saying right here, if we have a good, open, honest friendship going, a current relationship, and you're going out and you're trying to to serve me and you're, you're bearing fruit for my name, he's saying, you, anything, because we're friends. We're friends. Not only friends, capital F, but little f. God's saying, you're my friends. And isn't that amazing? That the God who created all that exists, the God who holds it all together, is saying, I'm not going to treat you like a servant. I'm not going to treat you like a slave. I'm going to call you and treat you like my friends. And I want a relationship with you. Folks, if you are a Christian, God says you are his friend. And all of God's people said, amen. Take that one home with you. Tell that to yourself. I am a friend of God. God calls me his friend. Isn't that amazing? Now, if I told you this morning that I arranged for you to have a 20-minute conversation with the president of the United States, what would you do? You'd probably go out and get a haircut, get some new clothes, probably write down a couple questions you'd like to ask, probably be excited or nervous. You probably wouldn't be able to sleep. But the bottom line is you'd probably get prepared if you're going to talk with the president. But listen, you've got a far greater invitation than that. You are invited to have a conversation with the creator. You are invited to go to the top. You are invited to talk to the key man. But not only talk to the key man, but talk to the man who holds all the keys. You are invited to talk with the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords, who says, you are my friend, and I want to talk with you. Prayer is communicating with God, your friend. Amen? That's what prayer is all about. Yet most of us have a hard time believing that God is our friend, that God's interested in our lives. We have a hard time thinking that God is interested in us making our car payment (laughs) and our mortgage payment. That God's interested in in our kids having the clothes they need for school. We have a hard time believing that that God is interested in helping us with the guy who irritates us at work. But you know what? He's interested in every part of our lives. And once you understand that you are a friend of God, you are a personal friend of God, prayer will no longer be a problem for you. Instead of 
being disconnected and being distant, you will run to your friend day by day and moment by moment who wants to talk with you. Prayer will be a time of great passion as you begin to talk with your all-powerful God. And as you begin to watch your friend God again and again and again answer your prayers and release His power into your life. Your life will change when your prayer is an act of submission and then when it's an act of real communication with your friend. And third, write this down, when it's an act of supplication. Supplication. That's just a big old long word that simply means a prayer request. When you make your prayer request to God. The Bible says this, don't worry about anything, but in everything with your prayers, prayers of praise and worship, and your supplication, prayers of asking, make your request known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So not only will your friend receive your request when you pray, but in that time between your request and God's provision, He's promising here He will keep your heart and mind at peace. How many have ever experienced that? That in between time, God kept your heart. I, I experience this all the time. Have some big issue and you pray, and it's not answered immediately. But even in that in-between time, the peace of God settles upon my heart and my mind. And I'm not worried. I'm not frantic. I'm not freaking out. Because the peace of God is on my heart and mind until his provision comes. Jesus says this about your requests. I tell you the truth. The Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. He's saying the Father, your personal friend, is going to give what you need into your life when you ask in Jesus' name. Jesus says, until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Jesus is saying it this way. Your job, ask. My job, answer. The result, joy. It's that simple. That's what your God wants for you. <laughs> he wants you to ask. He wants to answer. And he wants your joy to be complete. I don't know if you know this, but after I'm done speaking, you know, before I come speak, I'm praying. I'm frantic. You know, I'm praying, God, you got to use me. You got to speak to me. And Lord, help me. And, and I go down and it's behind this little curtain wall when I'm done. And I'm down there with my hands raised, sometimes on my knees. And I'm just thanking God for answering all of my prayers. And God never misses one. He answers everyone, and I can tell you that my joy is complete. My heart is filled with joy seeing what God has just done. You don't know how weak I am, folks. <laughs> I am weak, but God makes me strong. And God fills my heart with joy and peace because I ask, and he answers. The truth is this. Prayer is the Father's pipeline to provide for your needs. And over 20 times in the New Testament, the Bible says things like, ask, ask, seek, knock. But somehow we, as Christians, we just don't believe that God's going to answer, so we don't pray. Great pastor Charles Spurgeon from London, England once said, God never shuts his storehouses until you shut your mouth. <laughs> God so loves us, his kids and, and his friends. He wants to 
answer and flow to us all those things we need. But you got to ask. You got to make that prayer of supplication. So the question is, what are you lacking right now that you have not asked for God to supply? And what can you ask for? You can not only ask for him to meet your needs, but also your desires. Look at this. The Bible says he will fulfill the desires of those who reverence him. Now, there's a condition. Are you reverencing God? If you're living and walking for him, he's going to allow you to even have some of the desires of your heart, not just what you need. And why does he do that? Because you are his friend. And he loves to bless his friend. And so if you're reverencing God, your desires are going to be also what he desires anyway. Your desires are not going to be out of line with what he wants to give you anyway. The Bible goes on and says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you're delighting yourself in God, if he's your first love, if you are giving him your first and your best, as Kent talked about last week, not a blind and lame lamb, blind and lame sacrifice, but you're giving God your first and best. He wants to not only bless what you need, but he wants to give you the desires of your heart. Because those desires won't be wrong desires. You won't be asking for wrong things. The Bible says no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, righteously. So God is not up in heaven holding back good things from you. Saying convince me that you really need these things and maybe I'll give them to you. No, God is up in heaven and he's simply saying, ask. I am your friend. And I am interested in every part of your life. And I will give you what you ask so that you will know that I'm your friend. So that you will know that I love you with all my heart. So that you will know that I'm interested in your whole life. And so your joy will be complete. Jesus says, ask, friends, and your joy will be full. Jesus says, which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? <laughs> or if he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Many of us dads are imperfect dads. But we know how to give good gifts. We know how to answer the requests of our children. And if we know that, being imperfect, boy, our perfect Father God knows how to meet our needs. And He delights in giving us the things we ask for, just like we as dads delight in giving our kids the things that they ask for. Your life will change when your prayer is an act of supplication, lifting your requests to God the Father, your friend. And then next and last, your life will change when your prayer is, when it's with an act of cooperation. When you are praying and cooperating with God in your prayers. This is, this is the most exciting thing about prayer. When we pray, we are cooperating with God. We are working hand in hand with God to see the things of God accomplished on this planet. And one of the most amazing verses in the Bible is right here in John chapter 14. Jesus says, believe me when I say that I am 
in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. The question is, are you doing the things that Jesus did? Wow. How many have been walking around healing the sick lately? Wow. That's kind of a tough verse, isn't it? Anyone who has faith in me will do the things I did. And even though he did other things that we're to be doing beyond miracles, I think that's the hardest verse in the Bible to believe. Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, and he'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. i got to admit to you as your pastor, if there's any verse in the Bible I have a hard time believing, it's that verse. That I could actually do greater things than Jesus. Do you see yourself doing greater things than Jesus Christ? I'll jump up and just say, yeah, me. Are you there? (laughs) But it's Jesus who says, anyone who believes in me will do what I've been doing and even greater things. That's hard to believe unless you read the verse right underneath that verse and then it makes sense. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may bring glory to the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. How is it possible to do greater things than Jesus? Simple. Through prayer, ask the Father to do in Jesus' name what the Spirit of God is leading you to do. And then the Father will do that thing so he can bring glory, not to you, but to his Son, Jesus. Amen? And so is it possible for you to lay hands on someone and pray? And something significant happens in their life. That Jesus actually, your friend, hears your prayer even for somebody else. And something very significant takes place in their life. A change is made. Yes, that's possible. When we pray and we're doing the things that God is leading us to do. We're cooperating with God. And God changes lives. Take a look at this video. It was the morning of September 20th, 2006. Jeff Markin recalls heading for work as usual. What he doesn't remember is driving himself to the hospital. He had called his boss and told him he didn't feel well. His boss was concerned and convinced Jeff to go to the emergency room. Somehow Jeff made it. As he got there, he collapsed. Dr. Chauncey Crandall was doing rounds in the intensive care unit that morning. An alert call came over the PA system uh, that someone had arrived at the hospital with a massive deadly heart attack. And then a second call uh, went out over the PA system and specifically asked for me because I was the cardiologist on that day. When I arrived there, it was like a war zone. It was like being in battle. It was chaos. Everyone there fighting to keep this man alive. The ER staff worked on Jeff for 40 minutes. They shocked him a dozen times. Despite their efforts, there was no response. Once Dr. Crandall decided the team had done everything possible, he called the time of death. While a nurse prepared Jeff's body for the morgue, Dr. Crandall updated the charts. Well, as soon as my note was completed, I walked out 
through the door to this emergency room, I heard this voice say, turn around and pray for that man. And I wanted to ignore that voice because I said to myself, how can I pray for that man? He's dead. He's gone. There's no life in him. So I kept walking. And the voice came back again. And the voice said, turn around and pray for that man. And I stopped and I thought to myself, I need to honor the Lord. So I turned around at the doorway and I walked to the side of the body. And the nurse was on the other side of the body. And she's looking at me like... What are you doing? Why are you here? And I stood there next to that corpse. And I opened my mouth. And these words came out. Father God, I cry out for this man's soul. If he does not know you as his Lord and Savior, Father, raise him from the dead now in Jesus' name. I remember staring at bright lights. And they were swirling around. Out of those uh, bright lights uh, came an image. And he told me that he was there to look over me and make sure that everything was going to be fine. And the other doctor walked in the room, and I pointed to him. I said, shock this man one more time. And he looked at me. He said, Dr. Crandall, we can't shock him. He's dead. There's no life in him. He's gone. And I said, for me, shock him one more time. And that doctor, out of respect and honor for me, went over to that body with those defibrillator paddles and put his paddles on that patient and shocked him, shocked Jeff. And immediately an instant heartbeat came back. Instant, perfect, regular, which we'd never seen before. And the nurse screamed. What have you done? And this perfect heartbeat came back. And then suddenly, this abdomen started moving and started breathing. And then a couple moments later, the fingers started twitching. They immediately moved Jeff to the intensive care unit. Three days later, Jeff woke up with no evidence of brain or organ damage. Once I I woke up, my daughter Jillian was there, and that's when she told me what had happened. When I came in Monday morning, Jeff was sitting up in bed, and I said, "Where, where were you that day that I prayed for you in the emergency room? And he said, Dr. Crandall, I was in total darkness, and I was so disappointed. And I said, Jeff, what were you disappointed about? He said, I was alone for eternity. He asked me at that time if I was willing to accept God, my life, and into my heart. I just opened my arms and accepted God. Uh, it was just a very emotional time. I, you know, I remember you know, crying <laughs> in his arms. Today, Jeff is back at work and gets regular checkups with Dr. Crandall. He still has no heart problems or residual complications from his brush with death. You know what I had gone through and uh, to be so fortunate. And, uh, that's been part of, I guess, my uh, daily battle is why me? Why have I been <clears throat> so fortunate uh, to have God shine on me? Uh, 
I guess you, a second time. This day that I prayed for Jeff was a day of very little faith. It wasn't one of my big God days. And when I walked into that emergency room, to tell you the truth, I didn't want to stay and pray because I was so much in a rush with my work. But I prayed. And I didn't have a lot of faith backing that prayer up that day. But the Lord asked me to do it, so I honored the Lord and prayed. And that's all we need, just a spark of faith like that mustard seed. Miracles are real. And they're real today. Dr. Crandall, was he super special? No. Can we lay hands on anyone who passes away and they're going to come back to life? No. But I want you to get out of this as he was cooperating with God. God spoke to his heart. And God said, go back and pray. Folks, prayer changes things. When we're cooperating with God. So if God, the spirit of God is leading you to do something, to go pray, to do something. When you cooperate with God, things change. Prayer is powerful because it connects you with the all-powerful God. And even when those medical practitioners were done, God had just begun. Amen? (laughs) So God can do powerful things. And I want you to know your conversations with God are not limited by time or space or even power. Your prayers are not limited by time. Even after you die, your prayers can still be answered. Your prayers are not limited by space. Your prayers are like sending a missile to another part of the country or another part of the world. You can pray for somebody in New York City. You can pray for somebody in Manila. And it's like sending a prayer missile directly into somebody's heart. And yet you've never left California. Your prayers are not limited by time or by space, and they're not limited in power. People may reject you as a Christian, your your arguments, they may reject you as a person, but they're defenseless against your prayers. They have no defense system. Your prayer missiles go straight to their heart and explode with the power of God Almighty. So when you're praying for someone to come to know Jesus Christ, folks, don't stop it. That missile's going to their heart. And you may not see an immediate change, but you just don't stop praying. You keep praying because you're cooperating with God and God wants them to come home and live with him for eternity. Amen? So you keep praying. The Bible says this, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. So like a river, God can turn even the hardest heart by your simple prayer. Six times in John 14, Jesus says, if you will ask, I will answer. If you will ask, I will do. If you get nothing else out of this message, I want you to take this home. You start doing the asking, and Jesus will start doing. Amen? You start asking, Jesus will start doing. Prayer is the most important thing you can be doing. Great pastor D.L. Moody once said, every great movement of God can be traced to one praying kneeling figure. Every great revival in this country started because one person began to get on their knees and plead with God. Listen, your life can change when your prayer, your conversation with God is an act of submission. You really give your all to Him. When you communicate with your friend on a regular basis. When you lift your supplications, your requests to your friend. Precise, passionate, persistent, 
All of those things with faith. And then when you're cooperating with him and his work that he wants to do, prayer will change your life. Folks, I want our church to be a praying church. Not just when we have a 24-hour prayer vigil. (laughs) I want us to be a praying church because a praying church becomes a holy church. A praying church becomes a committed church. It becomes a generous church. It becomes a, a serving church that serves God and others. It becomes an enthusiastic church because we see God answering one prayer right after another. It becomes a powerful church because we become a tool that God can use. We become a happy church because the church is praying and seeing God answer with our own eyes, just like the disciples. And that becomes contagious. A praying church is a happy church. Let's become a praying church. This morning, I want you to know that we're going to have more and more prayer opportunities. But let's become a church that's praying across our city. Individuals that are scattered across our city. And we're one by one getting before God Almighty and saying, God, start a new movement in me. Start a new movement in my church. Start a new movement in my city. God. Move among us. And folks, if we do this as a church, if we do this as individuals, God is going to start changing lives. Amen? Amen. What are you lacking this morning? Something you haven't asked God for? Whatever that is, as we bow and pray, would you ask God for that thing that you're lacking and put your trust in God to meet your need? Let's bow in prayer. Father, I'm excited about what you're going to do as we all begin to pray with more intensity and more frequency. I'm excited that lots of people, maybe for the first time, are going to see answers to their prayers. As they begin to knock on your door with greater passion, greater persistence, with positive faith and praise. But Father, right now, we just pray this, that you begin a great movement in each of our lives. We ask, Father, that you begin a great movement in this church and that you begin a great movement in our city because we simply pray and ask. So, Father, we ask that together in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen.